welcome back to our free bodies today we have a really special guest anita <laughs> i mean i guess i like Hi guys. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about kind of the dark side of figure skating kind of post-retirement effects specifically focusing on body image and mental health and yeah please introduce yourself anita hello Hello world. <laughs> um, my name's Anita. I, I too, like Chloe, I'm a figure skater. I'm Chloe's number one best friend. So like, obviously I had to be on this podcast. That's all I have to say. I'm 17. I'm from New York. I like puzzling if anyone wants to send like puzzles for as a Christmas gift, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> I recently did get a cat, and by recently, I mean in, like, May. <laughs> um, she's doing well. Her name's Riley. She hates us, but, like, because I bother her so much. Um, I haven't really been skating that much, but I have been coaching a lot, which means more money for puzzles. <laughs> TBH. But that's really it. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting outside my dad's restaurant right now because it's too loud in there and like you know podcast recording is not really good for ambiance so and for context um I've known Anita since I was like what seven eight so we've, we've so. known each there's other there's like a picture of us but we were very yeah we were really young we skated at um World Ice Arena in Queens so yeah we have a lot of history in terms of skating and our friendship blah 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 but um I was hoping on the record for the record I followed you to each place I think right (laughs) yes but then I also started online school because of Anita because I needed to focus on skating but obviously that took a turn but I was hoping we could start off with our own sports story so like when did you start skating um where what was that journey like what were your pursuits how serious you were just to give some context for those you guys who are listening okay so I started skating when I was like four or five like this is like when I first stepped on the ice right um at world ice in Queens um And I didn't really start taking it seriously, I guess, until I was like nine or 10, I believe. Um, So it was mostly like a recreational thing. And then one day my mom was like, let's, let's kick it up a notch. Like, let's take it up a notch. Let's, let's go full speed. Right. And then, you know, the whole training thing, I'm sure every skater knows it's, you know, the, the couple competitions in the couple of months leading up to regionals, sectionals, nationals. Like my first year, I guess taking it seriously was my first year for like actually like going to regionals and stuff. Um, and then up until I guess, I guess it was really the pandemic that like stopped it for me. Um, I took I guess I I took school a little more seriously um, and the progress was not not going fast enough, you know? And then 
kind of lost I didn't I wouldn't say I lost the passion but like I didn't really see a purpose because like the competitions were not as seriously as serious as they were before and um I was trying to like go back to Malaysia for nationals and the border is closed and it is still closed. It's still closed. So I still can't go back even if I wanted to. Um, and here we are. <laughs> what about you, Chloe? Yeah, I was gonna get into that too, but Anita and I, we, again, we started skating at World Ice and then I went to Ice House and then she went to Ice House one year. And then we both went to Boston to train with a really elite, um, at a really elite facility with great coaches. Um, and then since then COVID, and then there was COVID and then we kind of stopped, but I guess like we had a really similar path. So I might just be repeating what Anita just said, but I started skating when I was. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll include more details. Um, I started skating when I was seven. I don't know. Oh, I started skating because there was, remember at World Ice, the facility, there was um, a swimming pool on the floor. And I started swimming Mm -hmm. at first, but then I ended up coughing too much from swimming. So then I quit (laughs) swimming because it was, I don't know. I don't know why I kept coughing. And then like someone said it was because of the chlorine, which I never made sense of it, but it's fine. And then I went skating, started when I was seven. So I've been skating for around 10 years. And I guess I've always took it seriously just because of how passionate my parents were about skating. And then eventually I became really passionate about it. Um, I moved to New mm-hmm. Jersey when I was 10 because there was a really good facility nearby, Ice House. I mentioned that already. I train with many coaches and I'll get into that because they're my coaches. That's a whole other, that's a whole other section we got to cover. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of stories that I'll get into, but I train with a lot of coaches at Ice House. And then December of 2019, I moved to Boston alone um, to train with, again, the facility that I talked about. Great coaches, great people. Um, and then COVID happened. And it's just been really sporadic. And it's just been really sporadic since. And I came home April of this year to kind of recover from my eating disorder, which I've talked about many times in this podcast. And yeah, that's kind of my history. Do you have anything else you want to add to that in terms of your own history? I'm so, so happy to be on this podcast and I'm so proud of you for talking about everything that you've talked about on this podcast. And also, I can, so Chloe has had um, a lot of coaches. <laughs> While I can count all my coaches that I've ever had in my life on, on one hand, which is, but our, our, um, our stories and our situations are like very similar which is kind of funny. Yeah, I was hoping we could get into kind of how body image played a role in our skating careers and mental health issues and how that developed, really just mental health in general. Um, So how has body image played a role 
in skating and your personal mental health? So throughout my skating career, I guess, I always believed and I was told at several times that like I was more on like the heavy side. Like I wasn't necessarily like chubby. I just like weighed a lot, I guess, which, you know, muscle is more dense than fat, but I always believed like I had more fat than like other skaters. Cause like, I know a lot of skaters can relate to this. We see like those thin, like 13, 14 year old Russian girls as like national champions, world champions. And like, of course, a lot of coaches here we get compared to them and it's like that's very very harmful for like developing young skaters boys and girls alike because how are we supposed to compare ourselves to like their government mandated like sport um what's training facility like standards but i have to say i am pretty lucky because while like i've had like very hurtful and sensitive comments about my body said to me before. Um, I don't think I've ever let it affect me to the point where I've, you know, like developed an eating disorder or like had really, really bad body dysmorphia. And I'm very lucky to say that. Um, but it definitely has played a, a role in my mental health because even even today, like I've gotten better at it, but I still catch myself like comparing on the internet at least, or comparing if I like go to the gym or like I go to the ring, I like will compare my body. And then I have to catch myself and remind myself, everyone's body's different. Everyone's weight is different. Everyone's situations are different. Everyone's eating situations, eating standards are different. So I've definitely gotten a lot of, um, a lot of support, I would say, recently, um, especially from my parents, uh, because they did play, you know, a big part in my body image, I guess, um, because, you know, traditionally, East Asian, or I guess, Asian standards are, you know, very th thin, slim bodies, you know, and I guess my parents, did did play a part into my like bad body image at one point but like i remember the other day by the other day i mean like a couple months ago um i was like making ramen to eat you know and even like a year ago i wouldn't be allowed to eat ramen on a normal day because that's that's fat there's a lot of msg in it it's unhealthy and yes it's unhealthy but you know it's food and if i'm hungry and that's the only thing to make in like 10 minutes, I'm gonna eat that because I'm busy. Um, and my dad like caught himself while he was saying like, are you sure you should eat that? And he immediately said, sorry, and apologized to me. And I really appreciated that because it shows that he's also trying to unlearn it. Yeah, I think that our parents obviously play a huge role, especially from the background from their background and the culture that they came from. And I've mentioned this before, but a if you take two people and you give them the same diet and same exercise plan and they do everything the same, they're still gonna have different um, bodies by the end of it because everyone's genetics are different. Everyone's biology is different. Everyone has different 
biological set point in terms of their weight. So it's really unfair to compare. Oh, Anita's raising her hand. I think she has something to say. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> um, Chloe, I absolutely agree. Um, and also, um, while we're still on this whole body image topic, I remember, I think it was last summer when the whole um, FSED project was going around Instagram and figure skaters were, you know, sharing their experiences with body image, body dysmorphia, eating, eating disorders. I, I believe that that whole thing was definitely like a step in the right direction with um, dismantling toxic diet culture, especially in figure skating and all that stuff, you know, it was really empowering to see all those girls kind of like lifting each other up and, and I guess embracing each other's stories and empathizing with one another. Okay, so first I'll just mention that my podcast and my account I made because of that project, just because it kind of was the first thing I ever really saw that talked about diet culture and skating or how toxic um, body image is in skating. So that really prompted me. But unfortunately, I feel like there needs to be media needs to do an even better role because I feel like the conversation has died down a little bit. And I was hoping that I don't know, I hope I was hoping that there would be more emphasis on kind of dismantling again like you said just toxic diet culture and skating because again it died down a bit but I was hoping that you could talk about I know you mentioned your parents being the cause of some body image issues during your career and we are talking about like oh just for the listeners we are talking about our careers like mental health during our careers and um yeah so I was wondering what were other main causes to not just body image, but mental health issues, if there were any mental health issues that you struggled with that are separate from body image being a cause? Yeah, I was hoping you'd comment on that. Oh, I absolutely will, Chloe, just because you asked so nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Truth be told, my mental health issues actually didn't didn't really like start or I guess I didn't realize that all these things affected me in a traumatic way until I actually stopped skating or training so much because basically for the past five to six years of my life every single day I was so so busy so I could never really sit down like alone with my thoughts if that makes sense um so I think like a lot of other uh, people, mm, I would say my mental health issues definitely started maybe during the pandemic because that was the first time I actually had time to you know, sit down with my thoughts, like journal, burn the journaling papers, you know? Um, but body image was definitely way worse during my skating career, I'd say. Um, A little better, I guess, once I stopped, but the the worst was definitely when I was like 12, 13, you know, when my body actually started developing. Um, And I think it's really just the toxicity of the skating culture in general, like 
you need to be thin in order to jump and rotate super fast. Like you, you need to be a certain weight in order to jump this high, in order to spin this fast, in order to like look aesthetically pleasing to the judges. Oh, that's another thing. I found a lot of the times the judges would always, you know, give more points to the girls that were, you know, more, I guess, thin, or I would say have beautiful, more, I guess, aesthetically pleasing lines, even if they didn't perform as well, or like, even if their program wasn't artistically sound enough. Uh, so that in and of itself was very hard for me to grasp upon because you know that means that it, it wasn't all fair and just like not everyone really gets an equal chance it, it really is just how are the judges feeling do they like this music do they like the program itself you know because like with other sports for example swimming or track it's very simple you get from point a to point b you go super fast right come back super fast. That's really it. Like in skating, there's so many different factors. And like, I would say like 25 to 35% of them, you really can't control, you know, whether it be like genetics or like what rank you're at, you know, um, honestly, like your financial state, your mental state. Um, I'm thinking I have more. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, 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 the judges, how they feel that day, you know, like if your dress accidentally begins to rip, like you get a point off for that. Um, how good the ice is on your warm up, if you're first in warm up, if you're last in warm up, like there's so many different factors that you cannot control. There's only so much you can control. And when your mind or your mental health, your mental state is one of the things that you can control, sometimes. You, you know, you try too hard to control it. And that's when, you know, you begin to spiral and those issues and those worries start coming out right before you get on the ice and. Okay, yeah, those points are very cohesive and very true. Um, skating is so aesthetic and performative that like you've said, there's not a lot of things we can control because of how aesthetic the sport is and how the judging system is historically very unfair. Um, Anita is raising her hand again. So I'm <laughs> assuming that she wants to say something. <laughs> I do, I do. I don't want to interrupt you. Um, I think it was Evgenia, the, the amazing Evgenia Medvedeva that said, skating is half a sport and half an art, right? So half a sport, uh, you would have um, girls that are just naturally athletic, just naturally athletic with the way either their body is built or like they have natural like muscle or natural um, fast metabolism or like half the art. If some girl has amazing artistic ability, but not the greatest, I guess, athletic ability, that's not the best because um, I'm all over the place here. I'm sorry, guys. But in figure skating, the score is 50-50. It's 50%, um, I guess, your artistic ability or like how you, how your um, choreography and the music go together, if it's aesthetic, um, and then half athletic ability. So if your jumps 
are good, if the execution is good, if the spins are fast enough, you know, if they end on the music, you know, that's kind of tied in with artistic ability, but, um, and it's really, you really need to be the entire package in order to succeed in this sport, because there are so many girls where it's like one or the other, like it's in balance that it's just kind of not fair. And then also tied in with the judges and then tied in with the judges, um, how they think your artistic ability is, um, how they think you executed it. And, you know, if all, I think seven of them, is it seven judges? Yeah. I think, okay, I think it was seven judges last I remember. All, if all seven of them are having a good day, that's great for you because then they'll give you extra points on the things that you executed really well. If they're having a really shitty day, oh no, bad luck, I guess, because then they're going to give you either zero points or even minus some points because you executed, executed the element very well, but they just, they didn't like it themselves, you know? Yeah, okay. I think I was going to mention this um, before Anita decided to raise her hand and interrupt me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But again, skating is performative. And the one thing that we can control to kind of present ourselves to the judges nicely and to the expectation of what, you know, skating culture wants us to, the only thing we can really control is our bodies. And that plays a huge role in how we present ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But I think that skating, you know, skating is really hard work, no doubt. Of course, like you have to be strong, but there's a lot of stigma with having a muscular body. And there should, there should be nothing wrong with that because I think it's something, I don't know, because if you look at the Japanese skaters, right, they are so strong and they can jump so high and they can do triple axles and quads, just as the Russians can. Obviously, there's something about being a 13-year-old child that is super tiny that, you know, propels them and makes them rotate even faster. But if you look at skaters from other countries, they can do jumps just as well. Um, but unfortunately, the rewards are being given out to those who are more petite and have a really small figure. And that puts a lot of pressure on skaters and this goes to ballet and other performative sports as well. And it really has a negative impact on mental health or, you know, I struggle with an eating disorder because of all the pressure of needing to conform to such a thin ideal. So going back to your mental health during your career, I know you said that you couldn't even externalize the feelings of pressure um, until you finished skating because you were so busy with your schedule and everything. Um, do you think that has part to do with how taboo mental health is, especially like not only in Chinese culture, but in athletic culture? Or was it hard for yeah. you to access help during your career? And we'll get into therapy later. But I know for me, mm -hmm. I felt like I could never externalize my feelings just because of the pressure and just because I was told that if you are feeling negative, if you're having negative thoughts about your body, then just get skinnier. Or if you are upset about the way that you look, like just change the way you look. Um, obviously that's very negative. Mm -hmm. but did you think, did you find it hard to get help? I was always told 
either if I was feeling sad or angry or frustrated to just throw that out and forget about the feeling, you know, flip over a new page, start over. Which kind of translate to, you know, if you're sad, just don't feel sad, feel happy. And it's really not as simple as that. Um, and I think I didn't realize how bad my mental health was until afterwards, but it did get to a point where I would have so many small triggers on the ice and I wouldn't even realize it. Like I would be, you know, if I was skating around and I just thought of something, I would immediately start tearing up like start bawling my eyes out. And I didn't know why, because I wasn't educated on that topic. Um, no one would talk to me about it. Um, even if they did try to talk to me about it, it wasn't like, oh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have these feelings. It was always, why are you crying? It's disrespectful to cry during your lesson. Um, it's embarrassing for the coaches or it's embarrassing for your coaches to be seen with you during a lesson with you crying or something like that. It was always negative feedback if I were to show feelings, you know, or show emotion even, if if it was anything other than determination and happiness, you know. Um, and I didn't under really, I didn't really understand it. I thought it was something that I couldn't control. And yeah, I, I couldn't control it, but I just thought like, oh, um, I'm having a bad day or like, I didn't land the jump on the first try. Now the rest of the session or the practice is gonna be shitty, you know? And as time went on and I started really like thinking about it, like sitting with myself and my thoughts and thinking about it, I realized that, you know, I had all these tiny triggers. Um, again, if I didn't land at the jump on the first time or if I didn't do at least like 85% of my program clean, like, oh, I'm a failure. Oh my God. Like, I'm not going to do anything with my life. What am I even doing here? Or like even, well, actually, usually <laughs> I would, I would have said like, if um, something negative would have been said to me, uh, I would kind of push that out. Um, thinking back, it did hurt, but I told myself that it didn't hurt because I was almost used to um, the aggressiveness of like my coaches or like um, the harsh words that they would say that they claimed was tough love. But like, I don't think that's an excuse. I really, I frankly don't. Like, why are you yelling at a 12, 13 year old to push faster when they did what? Like four run throughs that day and they're on their fifth one. You know, I think I lost my turn of thought, but you can step in. <laughs> yeah. Um that goes into how our coaches played a really bad role in creating a bad mental health space because I think we were we were we were so young I mean I've had Russian coaches since I was around 11 so I've normalized verbal abuse and I have been faced with a lot of, I don't know, my coaches would say terrible things to me. And I was like, okay, Chloe, this is your fault. And eventually it made me realize, made me think that I wasn't good enough, not only for my sport, but it translated into academics or my, you know, life 
outside of skating. And um, we really need to open up the conversation about verbal abuse and mental health through media because it's really not tough love. It's just rude and and I know like Simone Biles has recently opened up about her mental health but in skating like the conversation is so taboo it's like you have to be determined 24 7 and if you cry you're weak and like what kind of message did that send Anita is raising her hand once again (laughs) I've never had a guest that's done this before I was going to say in one of your earlier podcast episodes, you did mention, I think, hostile culture, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, I think skating, you know, kind of relates to hustle culture. You know, you get up at 5 a.m. at the rink at 6, you're on the ice at 6, you train for two hours before school, you go to school, after school, you go to the rink, you get home, you do whatever you need to do, go to sleep, same thing again for five to six days straight. And you get one rest day where a lot of the times, at least in my personal experience, I don't even get to relax. Um, I'm just doing catching up with all the work that I couldn't do because I was too busy training because I was too tired to like do my work. Or um, even if I didn't have work, I couldn't really go out with my friends because my, my mom or like my coaches would be like, you can't tire yourself out. You have a training day tomorrow or even if, even if none of that, right, none of that happened, when I was at home trying to relax, I would be in constant, like, fear and agony and just, like, distress about how the next training day is going to go. Like, how is that, how is that good for a developing 13-year-old, you know, let, let alone a developing 13-year-old girl? You know, does that make sense? Yeah, that does. I mean, I didn't realize how mentally exhausted I was from ages like 10 to 16 until I stopped skating and realized that, oh my God, I have struggled and I can't imagine like how my friends have struggled throughout skating. Um, Oh yeah, just to provide context for the readers, the listeners, we would wake up at 5 a.m. We would train. And then at one year when I did go to public school, I went to public school and then I would train two hours after going to school all day. And then I would spend the rest of the day doing off ice and then completing homework and studying for tests. I mean, we had like a nine to five. It's like a whole job. Like we I was going to say, but it's actually six to four um, mm-hmm. and then whatever place you need to do afterwards. And then you go home, you know, like usually I wouldn't get home until like seven to eight. And like I, I was supposed to be asleep by 10, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And then considering that, I didn't understand why I broke down so often, but like st- stepping outside of that and looking at what I've been doing for so long. I'm just like, why did I reprimand and mock myself so much for breaking down or crying? I agree. I completely agree because there would be days where I come home and like, I just want to lay in bed and cry. And I was just like, I'm just so tired. I didn't know I was mentally exhausted. Like, obviously I was physically exhausted. I would like lay in like a little starfish position and just wouldn't move for like two hours straight because 
my body could not take anymore. Like I couldn't even walk up the stairs without like complaining because my body like ached so bad. Um, there goes Chloe with her little Starbucks mug. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, where was I? Where was I? Oh yeah. Um, so I think a big reason why I kind of um, stopped skating uh, was because like during the pandemic, at least, I mean, I moved after I moved to like the final coach, like my uh, last coaches before the pandemic, um, I personally had like a more relaxed schedule. So I did like that. But as I started to sit and think um, about my previous experiences, I realized I don't ever want to go back to that. There was a point in time where I thought I was trapped. Like I thought I could not escape this like th living in like a constant state of, I guess, fear and stress, which sounds so insane, but like that was how I felt. And um, I've also spent like years telling myself like, you're not going through anything. There are people out there going through way worse than you, you know? And I think a lot of a lot of people that go through emotional trauma, emotional, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, all that stuff, do tell themselves that. And I think it's important to realize and remind ourselves that things that happen to you or like things that are traumatic that happen to you are valid. Like your feelings, how you feel are valid. And you have to remind yourself that because it's very easy to dismiss our own feelings or dismiss our own like traumas or whatever. Um, anyways, before I got, you know, off, off topic, um, I, again, realized that I didn't really want to be trapped again because I just, that was very scary. Like I didn't realize how scary it was, but that was very scary as, you know, a preteen even or a teenager to think about, to realize um, how scared I was, right? And I just thought like, if I quit, I'm a failure. You know, I would have people say like, if you, like they would threaten to like kick me off the ice. And like, obviously if, if I'm threatened to kick, be kicked off the ice, why would I wanna be kicked off the ice? Because then, you know, everyone around would see that I was kicked off and stuff like that. So the, obviously, I would, this is like one of the instances I would beg to stay on and beg to stay on like the ice when I didn't even want to be there. Why would I want to beg to stay somewhere where I didn't want to stay and where I was being manipulated by someone for me to beg to stay somewhere? Like that, that might not make sense to you viewers. Just listen to that again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that wouldn't make sense for the listeners, my bad. Anyways, um, I don't know what the question was, but I hope I no, answered it. No worries there. I don't really remember if there was a question, but based on what you were talking about, it just made me remember like one time, one of my coaches kicked me off and he was so mad. I'll just say he, I don't really care. Um, he kicked me off of the ice because I couldn't land a certain jump. And he was so mad. He was, he had like a stick and he would slam the wall with it many times. Oh, um, 
you would just be so aggressive and it was like seven in the morning and I'd be I was crying and I had to go to school and I went to school with really puffy eyes and then afterwards after I came back to the rink after school he was it's tough love like you said and he would just make it seem like his manipulation was a form of like love and affection yeah like I said so many times before but let me let me just reiterate this um I and it finally got a chance to sit down sit alone with my thoughts and all of these I guess packed away memories or sorry nightmares um started coming up and then I started thinking and realizing oh shit that wasn't a good experience like that was not not great and I honestly think like my past just like my skating career in general there were more bad experiences than good obviously they're all mixed together because you know typically you know when someone when like I would say maybe like a coach or like just someone in general manipulates you not every single day is a bad day you know some days they'll be happy with you some days they'll be really really frustrated with you and it just it makes people very confused as to like what the person's true intentions are and stuff like that but after I like stopped skating I just found it very hard to you know get up every single day like get out of my bed I would say like get out of my bed because I thought I didn't really have a purpose anymore um I really thought like okay now I just focus on school and that's it so that really made it hard for me to enjoy other things and like even walk outside you know because it was such an abrupt stop and I couldn't even like it was like what now I sit at home and do nothing right like and I also always had like a schedule either planned out for me or I got to make the schedule but I still like had to make the schedule so now with all this like free time like what am I supposed to do with it? Like, it's so much. Like I used to, I remember like when I was younger, I used to wish for free time. I wish, I, I used to wish like for even a week, even like a couple of days where I just did not have to do anything at all. And now I have all this free time. What do I do with it? You know, um, and I do remember uh, on Paulina Edmonds uh, podcast, she is for the non-skaters out there. She is, um, the a 2014 Olympian bronze medalist, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, and she hosted a podcast and I think it was with US figure skating where she also did talk about um, her mental health issues when she stopped skating so seriously, like when she went to college and you know, not having a schedule every day as well, and just not understanding, like, how do I keep moving? Like, my whole life used to surround skating and stuff like that. And I, after listening, uh, I definitely did empathize because I didn't know at the time, but I would have gone, I would go through that, like, a couple months afterwards, right? And I did think back to that. Um, and a very big part of me stopping skating is realizing all of the traumatic experiences in the past that I did not know that I was going through. Um, and even like um, last week, right? I was 
talking to my sister when we were we were out for dinner we were in a social setting and I usually would not behave like this in a social setting but I was talking to my sister and we were talking about college essays right and then I had wrote about something personal but I, I you know with even with my friends and family I have no problem sharing this right I wrote about something personal and I did bring that up and then I kept going and I kept going and I just started I just started tearing up so clearly that was a trigger for me. I just started tearing up and I could not keep it in. And I had to go to the bathroom, compose myself, go back out to the dinner table. Um, and a couple months ago, I remember while I was writing about this personal issue, I had a really, I had a really tight chest. Um, and I was like, I don't like this feeling. I was at the library, I remember. I do, do not like this feeling, I'm gonna go. So I get into my car and I don't feel like I can drive. Like I'm too emotional to drive. I wasn't crying yet, but I was like, I don't know if I can drive right now. So I call my friend and she was like, tell me what happens, what happened? Um, so I started talking it out and then I start bawling, crying like immediately. And I'm like slurring my words, I'm sniffling everywhere. And then that night, or like the next like early morning, I like during, I woke up at like 5 a.m. and I, I didn't even have to, I didn't say anything. Um, I just started crying. I just started crying so much. Um, I went on my notes app, my trusty notes app. I started typing it in, everything that I was feeling. Um, and it was, it was pretty good writing material, you know, if I, if I, if I do say so myself, but, um, what I was trying to get out, I apologize. It was, that was a really long story, a really long detour um, from the original answer. But what I was trying to get at is I still kind of have like traumatic flashbacks or like I would think back to a certain time and then I would think about how I'm feeling. Am I just explaining what a flashback is right now? I'm fucking stupid, what the fuck? Anyways, anyways. Um, I would have traumatic flashbacks and I guess those would be a trigger for me because I would just immediately start crying. Like how I did when I used to skate, I would just be circling. Even like, I remember this one instant, I would like touch like, remember, do you remember in Ice House, they had those little ads on boards? So I would like touch like an ad, like like I'd like, I always like um, putting my, my hands or like my gloves on the wall while I, I like, like it was kind of calming for me and I touched something, right? I don't know why, like that specific ad, I just touched it and I immediately started crying. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah. <laughs> I realized that the, I guess, skating community's idea um, of tough love is very, very skewed. Um, tough love doesn't really mean you you're allowed to like scream at them as much as you want and then turn around and say oh i was just pushing you i just want you to do better like no you can't control your emotions your anger and frustration so you decided to take it out on us like don't make excuses for yourself come on now like we are we both of us are still children right and i i believe at least we somehow i guess know more about all of this like tough love bullshit than these grown ass adults that have been in skating for so long and still haven't realized it. They haven't realized that they can't just use that tough love excuse with making us do work nonstop 
for seven hours straight without a proper break and just say, we're just pushing you. Like we get that you're tired, but that means that your muscles are growing stronger. That means that, you know, you're going to do better tomorrow. Like it's all, it's not all for nothing. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not like, that's not a good excuse. Like come up with a better one. It's literally an abusive relationship. I moved from coach to coach just because every time I was with a coach to start, it was like the honeymoon phase. You know, that honeymoon phase where like everything yes, is doing yes, well. Oh my God, yes, like yeah. everything is perfect and I'm improving. And then all of a sudden that- And matters. they're supportive mm-hmm. and, and all- they love you. And they don't yell at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that mask fades away. And then they start screaming at you about even unnecessary things like you're stupid, you're not worth it. And why are mm-hmm. you so fat? And like they're not even, it's not constructive. So I like I know. And so many coaches at a certain facility in New Jersey, in Hackensack, um, are mm-hmm. <laughs> immature. <laughs> and they think. They just haven't grown. Like you said, they haven't grown up from, it's like they're still 20 years old and they don't know what constructive criticism is. I don't know. I have a lot to say about that. But when I stopped skating, um, going back to like how you talked about finding a purpose, I have had a really hard time finding a purpose other than skating. I used to like think during my you know, quote unquote career, I was like, is this it? Like, this can't be it. Like, I'm so, I feel so stuck. But for any skaters out there listening to this right now, there is definitely a life outside of skating. Like, we're applying to colleges, Anita and I, and we're hanging out with people that are not in that skating realm. So yes, there is a life, guys. And we are evidence of that. So don't feel stuck if you're in this toxic relationship with you know, your coaches, etc. But yeah, um, I had something to say and then I just completely forgot it. Anita, <gasps> how could you forget? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, <laughs> tough love, blah, 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 blah. Um, it had something to do with the coaches and tough love. I know that. We can go back to that. Do you, re- okay. I was talking wait, about- Wait, wait, let me, yes. Keep going. Um, <laughs> what's this about? Ice house coaches, honeymoon phase, and then slowly, not honeymoon phase. And oh, then oh, I know, I know now, mm-hmm. I know now. Okay, so a lot of the times, um, I did hear this in like just a break um, in New Jersey, in Hackensack, maybe, maybe. I think if I'm if I'm getting that right, <laughs> but uh, I heard this in a rink, and it was that. It was definitely like chatter among skaters, but um, they always said, if the coaches or if your coaches are not actively screaming at you, pushing you and stuff like that, basically being verbally abusive, if they weren't doing all of that, they don't care about you anymore, which is such a toxic, toxic thing to say, like, or just to even like believe, I guess, because I believed that for so long, I thought, if no one was yelling at me, they didn't care about me anymore. And like, while it was true, while it was true, because I have seen that happen, like with a, like some of the people that I did know, 
why is that, I guess, the norm? Like, why is that normal? Why do skaters believe this? Why are they telling people this, right? Like, I don't, so bad, so, so bad. I didn't realize that until now, actually, that we were talking about this. Yes, Chloe, yes, you, you. And I know that there's another way to improve a student's technique other than screaming at them 24 seven. And I completely relate to that. I thought that I needed to be screamed at at every lesson and I needed to cry. Like when that coach kicked me out of the ice, I was crying so much. And then he was just like, I just needed you to be disciplined. Um, so I had like two groups of coaches in Boston. So not the first group, but I went to a, another group and I left skating just because of my eating disorder, but also traumatic experiences from a certain rink in New Jersey in Hackensack, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, there, there were coaches in the second um, group that I trained with. They were so loving and they made skating so fun and they have incredible skaters. So like, there's another way. And so if you are in a certain coach student relationship right now that is abusive and anything similar to what we just talked about, um, run <laughs> and go. Also, I also would like to say so many, so many kids, so many parents even don't realize that this is abusive. Like they, it's just the, you know, the toxicity of, you know, just sports culture, athletic culture in general just like the whole like determined hard work hard hustle hard all that stuff um you know it's supposed to be okay it's supposed to be you know the way to success that's the path to success right and it took me a long time to realize that all that was traumatic um and I couldn't even realize it until someone else some other coach told me which is really bizarre to me but um if any of you listening out there are experiencing any of the things that we just talked about, please talk about it with your um, parents, your guardians, whoever you live with at home, please. <laughs> or us, or us, like DM us on Instagram, <laughs> you know, reach out to at our free bodies, um, refer to this episode, uh, ask for Miss Anita, A-N-I-T-A, <laughs> right? Obviously, the effects of skating culture has translated to real life. Um, what have you done to kind of help with the recurring mental health issues or recovering from those toxic experiences? Like, have you gone through therapy? What was your experience like? And then there's other questions I'll ask later. I have. I have gone to therapy and it has helped a lot. Um, I'm looking for a different one now because as everyone, everyone knows therapy is so expensive. <laughs> so I love my therapist so much. Um, shout out Dr. Brower if you're, <laughs> if you're watching. <laughs> um, but she did teach me to kind of backtrack because like I previously mentioned, my mind does tend to spiral a lot. So, you know, one thought will lead to another, to another, to another, and then suddenly, oh, why am I all the way down there? Why is my mind in a gut, right? So she's taught me to take that really like sad or depressing thought and just backtrack and I guess remove myself almost. 
from that thought, um, which is good, which is good. So I'm, I am working on that. But therapy helped, talking to people such as my lovely Chloe helped a lot. Um, I would say, again, once you find your purpose or once you find the joy or pleasure in doing little things for yourself even, that helped a lot. Um, puzzling helped a lot. <laughs> I love puzzling so much. Um, uh, yeah, my cat, my cat, absolutely, 100%. Helped a lot. Oh, so I guess like the one thing you all should get out of this is get a cat. Get um, a cat? Yes. Or a puzzle. Or, or puzzle. a puzzle. Yes, mm -hmm. or a puzzle. It should right. be, yeah. Oh my god, Anita and I, we went to Union Square Market like a couple weeks ago and we spent like a good 15 minutes in a puzzle store and I bought this little 100 yeah. piece puzzle set. It's kind of small, but it was very therapeutic. So did you do it? Yes. The Alice in Wonderland one. Yes. Oh my god, that's so cute. It's quite nice. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I also, oh my God, today I had my first real therapy session, which is oh. why I like mentioned the question. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and even though it was just, just introductory questions and just like talking about the history of your traumas, which we didn't really get in depth because we didn't go in depth because it was only the first hour, but it was so nice to like externalize my thoughts because I also my thoughts spiral a lot and they kind of like stay in my head um and it's really hard Me to like work things out and do some mm -hmm. inner work when um I don't know my mind is already fucked up so <laughs> very good because you externalize your thoughts and I did not have a very good support system and I stopped talking to a lot of skaters because I noticed that now that I'm outside of the skating realm or whatever, like a lot of people that I used to talk to are so toxic. And because of like the toxic love that they received and they still think is the right way to love or whatever. It's normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Anita and I, I don't know if I can mention this. You can tell me if I can't, but we didn't talk for a couple months because I was so desperate to leave the skating system you know and I didn't realize how toxic everything was and um oh my god I had a point but I was gonna I basically like <laughs> yeah you can mention that like I and I recommend this to those though it's a very lonely process I try to step out of anything related to skating or anything related to my traumas to kind of realize that there was another world out there um but I also recommend journaling journaling really helps because oh, sometimes when you like think about things you kind of I tend to I think a thought and then I repeat thinking the thought and I do it again and I do it again but if I write it down like there it is it's concrete and I don't need to think about it again so that's why I think journaling is great but like I know you mentioned puzzling a cat <laughs> therapy but do you have any tips yes, for therapy Okay. If you have any tips for those with body image and mental health? Oh, tips. Um, um, also journaling, but like if you have like a breakdown or like a spiral or something, you write all of that bad shit down and then you burn it so that it's gone forever. Yeah, it's concrete, but then you burn it, it's gone forever. Like it's out of your mind. It's, you know, you don't need it in there anymore. 
tips for body image. I honestly have a good support system. Surround yourself with loving people that appreciate and care about you. Um, and you always have to remember like beauty even, like beauty is superficial, right? Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So if you think you're beautiful, that's honestly all that matters. Um, and you also have to remember everyone's body is different. Everyone's body is different. So even if let's say you're eating X amount and so is the other person across the table from you eating X amount, like it can show, maybe even show up on your body, show up in your stomach in different ways. You process it in different ways, right? But um, going back to the beauty thing. So first tips on body image. So this is what I've been doing recently when I do feel bad about, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, you're fucking ugly, but don't do that. <laughs> but this is my tip. If you die right now and you know, you're in your, you're in the grave and everyone's mourning over you. No one's going to think like, oh my God, Chloe had a rockin' bod, you know, like no one's going to think that they're going to like, remember you for like your kindness. I would think that. No, girl, stop. I'm joking, I'm joking. You're ruining my point. (laughs) Okay, sorry, continue. No, but they're going to like think Chloe was a kind person and she was nice. Chloe was so amazing. Yeah, and then amazing podcast. I'm so sad that she can't do it anymore. (laughs) She has a beautiful face and a beautiful soul. (laughs) If I die, you can take it. You can take over if I die. Okay. All right. But yeah. Basically, when you die, no one's going to remember you for your physical assets. Like, they're going to think about how <laughs> you treated them or whatever. So focus on your personality, guys, because if you have a bitchy personality, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> but mm-hmm. also, think about, like, how you love your loved ones. Like, you love your parents, not because they have a rocking butt. <laughs> <laughs> You love them because they, I mean, I hope your parents take care of you and they love you and they provide you with shelter. Typically, typically they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like your sibling or your best friends, like you don't love them because, you know, they have Mm -hmm. a nice face. I mean, if you do, then you're very vain. Yeah. Don't, that's not how you should love someone. But um, (laughs) that's my tip on body image at the moment. But in terms of mental health in general, do you have any tips on that? I mean, we kind of just talked about it, like journaling, getting a yeah. cat. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two main tips, journaling and getting a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about when people can't get a cat, Anita? Oh, any oh well, that's a little more complicated. Um, <laughs> I like walks. I like taking long walks long ass walks whether it be with your siblings parents by yourself like I think it's very therapeutic because even like for me at first it's like sometimes now too like it's very scary to like sit alone with my thoughts very scary because my mind is just an infinite place where anything can happen and usually the anything is bad so I just I love to stay away but I will force myself to take these walks and really confront um, I guess my thoughts and my fears and all of my expectations and try to dismantle some of these toxic things. 
I see Chloe's waving her hand. I think that means she wants to say something. <laughs> okay. I love walks. <laughs> I go on two hour walks. When I first started recovery, when I came home from skating, my dad and I, we walked for two hours at a time. And then I walk by myself now, even if it's so cold, but it is so nice, guys. And also, you walk to get ice cream, right? I just walk everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and there's also like a trail, like a six mile trail that I'll just go on and I'll be there for mm-hmm. two hours. And like, I tell my friends about it and they think I'm crazy. Also mm-hmm. friendships, surround yourself with people who love you in the way that you deserve to be loved. And I don't, I don't really like Anita. So I don't know about <laughs> her, no kidding. But if you have- oh, right, like- Yeah, but please- if there's even an ounce of doubt in a relationship or if you think something is toxic, just cut them off. Like it's going to be lonely, but it's better to be lonely yeah. than spend and waste your time with mediocre and pathetic people. Period. I agree. I agree. Absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. So, um, did we cover everything? I mean, I think we covered so much. And I thought this conversation is so different from like the last episode. And we haven't like, I haven't mentioned most of the things we talked about yet. So, so do you have any good, right? Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts on everything in general? My final thought. Um, My final thoughts are, um, I'm so happy, so grateful that Chloe just finally let me be on her podcast (laughs) after months and months of not responding to me and months and months of procrastination of bad scheduling bad timing everything I'm so happy I'm here um thank you if you made it to the end thank you so much for listening I appreciate you so much um my Instagram is at underscore (laughs) a-n-i-t-a-o-n-g um and I'm currently sitting in my dad's restaurant, um, which is in Brooklyn in Bed-Stuy at Nana Ramen, N-A-N-A Ramen, if if y'all want to go follow. Um, and just honestly take one, one day at a time, one step at a time. Recovery can be tough, but it is doable with um, good support system, good friends, good family. And a cat. And a, and a cat. Maybe a puzzle. A book too. A journal. A pen. A lighter to burn the journal. Like everything. The whole package. But yeah, seriously, take it one step at a time. If you don't feel like dealing with something, don't deal with it. Honestly, like if you want, you don't want to deal with it, there's always tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. You can deal with it tomorrow. I know that's procrastination, but like it's for your mental health, so it's okay. Exactly, guys. And... I totally lost my thought there, but I will be putting her personal Instagram and her dad's restaurant in the description and on the Instagram caption, blah, blah, blah. And I love Anita so much. And I'm so happy that she joined me even after months of procrastination and delay. But thank you guys so much for listening. This was such a wonderful talk. We covered so many things that we haven't I mean, I haven't covered before in the podcast, so I'm very excited to be editing this. And I hope this helped some of you, even just one of you. Bye. I agree. Bye-bye.